0: Welcome to the State of the Lakers postgame show on Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out uh, with Raj and I tonight. This, we were just talking, is the probably the biggest win that I can remember, biggest regular season win that I can remember from this team in a long time. When you factor in all of the you know, relevant information, not just LeBron being out, but almost a completely and totally decimated roster, um, including losing... You know, one of their uh, uh, not someone that I like for Frank to play, but someone that Frank really likes to rely on with LeBron out and raise Rondo and Austin Reeves, who's been one of the primary driving forces of this team's effort and and uh, and passion on the defensive end of the ball. And then you factor in Miami, who was I, I, if, am I correct in saying they were the one seed in the East coming into tonight, Raj?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if record-wise they were, but they, they definitely played like it. To me, they're the most impressive team in the East, and honestly, maybe throughout the league, beside the Warriors. This is a really damn good Heat team. Like, we were texting back and forth, and we were like, if they lose by, like, 10 or 15, we'll be kind of happy, you know what I mean? Like, if they can stay competitive, and they did even more than that tonight. But yeah, no, the Heat are a legit, really good team.
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a really, uh, you know, at the end of our last pod, Um, I told you that I had a kind of a vision for what I expected to happen tonight. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, touting this as some measure of success because I'm wrong about stuff all the time, but I just like Miami brings the best out of people. Like they come in and early in the first few possessions in the game, they always hit you in the mouth um, with this, with this physicality and focus and intensity. And, you know, even, even if you look at their bench and their coaching staff, they're just so animated it like there's a there's a a program a junior college program here in Arizona that's called Cochise College and they're right down by the Mexican border and uh they are in the middle of nowhere but in the JUCO conference here in Arizona they're always the team that everyone hates to play because they have just this loud boisterous Mm -hmm. coach and they they just thrive on this 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 culture this like intensity this Everything they do is just so. Everything they do is just at 100 miles an hour, and a lot of teams just crumble under like the intensity of it, you know. And to me, the Miami Heat kind of remind me of that in the NBA. Like they, they, they just play a different level of intense, intense basketball. And obviously, they have all this stuff that we hear about with heat, heat culture, and the way they make people take care of their bodies, and the way that they approach, um, you know, uh, everything and every facet of the game. Well, it brought the best out of the Lakers tonight. This was their best effort that we saw um, so far this season. I was worried that fatigue would eventually come back to bite them, which is something we talked about in the last pod, that they would hang around, but eventually Miami would just be too much for them. And that kind of is what happened as they got up by, I think, nine in the fourth quarter. It was either nine or 11. I can't remember. But all it took was Melo stuck a big three, and then Malik Monk stuck a big three. And then Avery Bradley banked in a three and <laughs> right. and then Russell Westbrook started making jump shots. And, and just like that, all of a sudden the Lakers were able to send it to overtime where they were able to get a win. But, you know, I, I, I didn't think, I didn't think they had much of a chance to win tonight at all. Um, and, and they got it done. So that, that obviously is just, what a, what a great way to kind of kickstart what I hope will be, the beginning of what we
1: hope to see from this team this season. And we, we talked about it. Like I think after the last spaces, like Miami was going to get our kind of a game. Like they were going to respect them come with the, come with the competitiveness that they needed to, to play tonight. Like Miami's really damn good. Like, I know I kept saying that they run actions that are really tough to to defend, even in our two big lineup, the offense really ugly, but just like the defensive effort there minus like Deandre Jordan, probably in the third, you saw AD exhausted. I thought at the end of the fourth and overtime, he looked like he had very little left <laughs> left in the tank. But like this is the type of stuff I wanted to see. We kept kind of blaming their, you know, their losses on the injuries, which is true. You know, losing the three rotation players outside of just LeBron. But like if you play like this, you don't lose against OKC twice. You know what I mean? Like just like if you play with this type of effort, and you know they're not going to shoot the way they did tonight. I think Malik Monk was like ten of thirteen at one point. Uh, but the defense was there. Russ, again, had the turnovers and stuff. But this is just a big-time win, man. I want to kind of stick on that. It could have easily, like, you know, faltered. You talked about Miami went up nine, and I thought we kind of let go of the rope there, thought we didn't have enough offense to to keep up. Uh, but like you said, Carmelo, big-time three. He had a, another one was like a little dribble in uh, mid-range jumper, I think, when we were down seven or something. And you, you said Miami's a team you don't want to play. Like Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker are annoying as hell to play when you're on the other side. Like, they just... They just are. Kyle Lowry played 42 minutes in regulation. Didn't even realize that till I saw the numbers in overtime. Uh, but yeah, Miami's a tough, tough team. It's a big win, man. Like this is, it was ugly. There were some turnovers late, but this is just a big time win that you can kind of build off of year going forward I think they played the Spurs next I'm not 100% sure uh but you know this is a this is a big time win that that they got tonight yeah
0: I agree you know we talk a lot about identity right with the Lakers this this uh, I uh you know their identity in the previous two years was everything that they did on the defensive end of the ball but the truth is is that with the personnel that they have right now active with Ariza out with THT out with LeBron out it's really hard to have like a hard-nosed defensive identity but your identity is is kind of vague like your identity doesn't have to be defense like brooklyn brooklyn's identity isn't defense brooklyn's identity is just having a bunch of really high iq players and a ton of offensive talent on the floor and you know just just in the aggregate when you factor in their average defense that's enough to carry them and every give it every single night the way they play offense is their identity same goes with the warriors with their ball movement and the way that Steph drags attention and and they do everything off of that attention that he that he uh, uh, gathers from the defense. Well, with this Laker group, like maybe the, the 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 identity becomes them just playing hard, and and that's what it was tonight. You know, like just bringing that. You can if your identity becomes that effort and focus in every facet of the game, even if you don't have the defensive talent. Then when the shit hits the fan and things get really hard you'll fall back on that identity and that identity could just be, we play really, really hard. You know what I mean? And, and that's what carried them tonight. Like I bet you, when we go back and look at the defensive metrics, they will be good, not great. You know, they didn't blow. They mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't strangle Miami tonight. There was, they gave them some big problems with their two big lineups, but when they went with AD at the five or with Dwight Howard at the five, like they gave up a lot of baskets tonight. But the truth is, is throughout the game, with exception of the the few lulls in there, they were able to maintain a certain level of effort uh, and, and focus. And if that if that becomes their identity, if this team plays hard every night. When LeBron comes back and all these guys come back, they're just going to start beating the hell out of people because they do have a lot of talent. You saw that tonight, you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. which I think is a good a good segue into Malik Monk because you know Malik Monk is an extremely talented basketball player. I've seen a lot of people compare him to to Lou Williams, uh, you know, or Um, like, uh, he's just your stereotypical, like off the bench, nuclear offensive guard. And it always bothered me that Frank was so hesitant to play him or when he would play him, he'd play him in kind of a role where he's off the ball all the time, you know, where he's primarily just standing in the corner, not really involved in the offense. And, and the truth of the matter is with a guy like that, like you know, the phrase, like let him cook, you have, you Mm. have to let Malik Monk have the ball in his hands and you have to let him. Get comfortable. You have to let him get mm-hmm. comfortable, and you have to let him make plays. Like there, people, you like you said at the beginning, like oh, Malik Monk got hot. Maybe that's uncharacteristic. Yeah, like he's not. The dude's not going to average twenty-seven. You're right about that. However, like the, in order for him to have a game like this every two or three games, he has to have the ball in his hands. And so, I, mm-hmm. I like the direction of going that way as a secondary ball handler option you know, when you're not going through Russ and when you're not going with LeBron instead of going through Rondo. Do you agree as far as Malik Monk is concerned?
1: Oh yeah. He looked, he looked awesome tonight and he was the de facto backup point guard, right? Because we had Russ and then just no one backing him up and there were some turnovers with that, but yeah, you could see him get more and more comfortable as the game kind of went on with this shot. He was really comfortable taking it from far. He was running pick and rolls, you know, trying to find AD. There were some bad passes there, but you're right, man. Like just, he again, I said he was like 10 of 13. And what I mean by like, he's not going to go off like this every night, but he doesn't have to, right. If he can just be a little bit of like a nuclear, like you said, offensive punch off the bench. And I kept thinking like, I want to see him next to like Kendrick Nunn. You know, I think that's like a really fun kind of backcourt to bring off the bench, him with like Ellington as well. And if you can put defenders around that, cause he's fearless, he's a fearless guy, gets to the basket Gave Russ a guy you can give the ball to because they just kept switching that uh Russ and A D ball screen. And they let Malik Monk kind of just like you said, let him cook. They let him cook for a lot of that fourth quarter. Uh there was nothing going on the in the half court, and they just said, Here, Malik, you know, do your thing. And he was able to go off tonight on, you know, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, who again aren't great defenders, but you know, he took advantage of that, uh coming off screens, being able to pull up off the dribble. He's a guy that this is why you go and get these type of offensive players. Right, like this is kind of what you saw in the defense for offense trade, and I thought you saw that on the defensive end as well. Got back cut a lot, but like this, his offense was huge, and we're gonna need him. And I want to see him next to like the starters and playing next to defensive minded players because I think he can really go off. But but you're right, he's a nuclear option that they can go to. And what I mean, he doesn't have to be the guy, but if you have him or Ellington or none or Tht going off, at least one of them going off. If you get two, I think we're in business. Um, but that's what I saw from tonight because this is something he definitely can do. He can, he can go for 25 to 30 on, on any given night. And it can win you a game. Like that's the key. Like, uh,
0: he made a gigantic three in overtime and he made a gigantic Mm -hmm. three in the fourth quarter that got them back into the game. And, you know, it goes back to that idea that we've talked about a lot this season having to do with versatility, you know, if, if Malik doesn't have it going, if you've given him a six-minute shift where the ball has been in his hands a lot and it's not going, you can go with a Bradley. You can go with a Reeves. You can go with a THT or an Ellington. You can go with a different option. That they're, the, the whole concept of the way this was put together, in my opinion, was versatility, like having options, whereas in previous seasons it was like, do you want this defensive guard or do you want this defensive guard or do you want this guy who – Probably is going to you know go one for four from three, or this guy who's going to go one for four from three. No, it's like this year we have a mix of all of those types of identities. I mean, and we were going to talk about Ellington at some point later in the show, and he's another example. He's almost like a third, a third archetype of guard. You know, Mm -hmm. like we have these guys like Malik Monk and and Rajon Rondo, are these primarily you know, dribbled uh, dribble attack to have the ball in their hands to feel comfortable type of guards. But then we have these, you know, Austin Reeve types, these Avery Bradley types that are just, just a hundred percent focused on the defensive end and you never have to run a play for them and they can just stand in the corner and shoot threes. But then we also have this Wayne Ellington, this like Duncan Robinson type of archetype that you can run him off of screens and the way that that occupies defenders off the ball. Like Wayne hasn't shot the ball well this year. But when when he's been out there, the offense has looked very fluid because of just his gravity and, and, and yeah. what he, and what he brings uh, uh, with his intelligence as a as a, as a off the ball shooter who can move around and, and keep the defense out of uh, you know off balance like that there are just options here they're, they're, we're starting finally, just finally, and you know what Laker fans, you deserve it because it's been a rough go here early on. <laughs> But this is finally starting just barely to take shape as what our vision was for what the good version of this team could be, which is everything that the old teams were, just with versatility to go in a different direction when things aren't working. And, and to and to me that's exciting. And you know what? Malik's been defending better. I think this is a, a good segue into Melo and his defense. You know, we talked a lot about. We talked a lot about how, you know, guys like KCP, guys like Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, even Alex Caruso to a certain extent, just coming up through the Lakers system and THT, you know, like if you ship THT off to NBA Siberia and he learns to play basketball somewhere else, he might not be the same defender that he's shaping up to be under Frank. You know what I mean? And and I think it's really cool to watch over the last couple of years the way some of these really limited defensive players that struggled yeah. on that side of the floor have shaped into pros who can hold their own on that end. And it has been awesome to see mellow start to show some sparks of defensive potential. Not, I shouldn't even say potential, but just being able to hold his own, you know, and the, the same mm-hmm. goes for monk and, and uh, uh, I mean, even Deandre Jordan, even though we slander him all the time, he's playing a lot better on defense than he was in Brooklyn. Uh, even though we still want more out of him, uh, it's been cool to see that shape together. And that was going to take a lot of games. So are you are you starting to come around on that as well? Do you think this defense could come around to where it was in previous seasons by the end of the year?
1: I'm not sure to where it was. I mean, they were the best defense of the league last year and the year before I think they were right there. But it's definitely coming up. And we talked about defensive identity to start. You went into that. AD is kind of your defensive identity in a lot of times. And I thought he was just incredible tonight i don't know if you would agree like he was miami's again like a really tough team uh they run a lot of screen actions bam is kind of in the middle of the floor and he's kind of operating and i thought ad especially in the in the first three quarters thought he got a little bit tired there in the fourth but just shutting off all those actions being able to come up help on hero and still get back to bam defend the rim he's playing with all, like ad's surrounded by like all these four guards three guards with mellow and mellow I'll get into him as well. Just incredible, like, seeing him, like you said, move his feet defensively. But AD tonight I thought was great. Shutting off the rim, got a bunch of strips on Bam, some block shots. Uh, He got beat down the floor a couple times, but taking away lobs. Like, I thought he was just great. Tyler Hero hit a bunch of contested shots over Avery Bradley. That I guess I'll kind of live with. But, again, I thought AD was a huge deterrent on them. And Carmelo, man, like – watching him rotate and be right there, you know what I mean, with the Lakers, with the coverage they run, and he's starting to understand where he's supposed to be. Like I said, he's never going to always get the stop, but he's starting to be in the right place more than often. Like, he's not a guy that you can just pick on in the post. They try to go at him, and he got to stop there. He strips the ball really nicely. It's just really cool because his shooting is so so important for this team right now that if he's just passable defensively, and to me he was even more than that. Tonight I thought he was actually even – kind of a plus defensively, especially next to AD. I agree. I
0: I agree. I thought he was legitimately a plus defensively tonight, which is wild. I cannot believe I'm saying it.
1: (laughs) I thought him and AD, like, as the 4-5 was our best kind of defensive lineup, uh, the way that Dwight was kind of fouling. Uh, Dwight, I think, fouled out in 11 minutes, so didn't really get to see much of the Dwight and AD combo tonight. Uh, But, yeah, I thought him and Melo really were in sync. Again, Miami makes you, like, switch and talk on almost every coverage, the way they run. Duncan Robinson, Tyrell Hero, off all these actions in the corners. And I thought Mello held his own. Like, we went on that run in the fourth. We were down nine. Mello was on the floor when we made on that run. And, obviously, they scored a bunch of points, but also got a bunch of stops. I thought he was great. Like, just seeing him be able to defend like that. He And, like, I see people saying he wasn't defending like this, I guess, in Portland, uh, maybe. Wasn't really watching that as closely. Body might be a little bit better. But he just looks uh so ready to be on a winner be on a title contender it's cool to see him uh playing that out but yeah he was great and ad i thought really shut them down the first in the first few minutes of that game to make it even close like you said the offense is super ugly to start these games but the defense was there i thought it was it was great and if they can keep building on this man this is something you can build off of like you can't do this and then go do a stinker against whoever they play next like this is like something you can legitimately build off of, even if uh, LeBron's not going to play for a little while.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, it, it's it's funny because we, you and I have talked so much about how when Anthony Davis is on the floor, you know, your defensive job is less complicated than it is on other teams. You know, like if you're, if mm-hmm. you're playing for the Washington Wizards, you have to be so sharp on the perimeter and you have to cover so much because you don't have that, you know, all encompassing defensive mistake eraser on the back end. You know what I mean? And, and what, that was, what was so shameful about the way the Lakers played to start the season is like, we watched, you know, pretty limited guards, you know, in previous seasons come in and see the, the very small checklist of defensive responsibilities they had in the Laker lineup and, and to not, and to knock it out of the park. And so to see the guys this year come in and really struggle, It was frustrating and because when you watch the game, you see it with effort. It was like, okay, this guy just died on that screen or this guy's just not even paying attention off the ball or, okay, they beat us off the dribble and and we rotated, you know, AD stepped over and and stopped the guy at the rim and and he kicked to the corner and and one guy ran out to stop him in the corner, but then they swung it one more time and no one was there. You know what I mean? Like, it just was... It was just super, super sloppy on that front. And what we saw tonight was for the first Mm -hmm. time all season, for the most part during the whole game, with exception of that ugly stretch there uh, in the fourth quarter, they did a really, really good job of those responsibilities. Uh, They were applying ball pressure and chasing guys off the three-point line, funneling them in to Carmelo and AD under the rim. And like you said, Carmelo did a really, really good job in that LeBron role. Of anytime anybody caught in the middle of the floor on the short roll, he just stepped up and disrupt them and made that next pass tough. and then mm-hmm. and then, when that read came out of the short roll, guys were flying around and rotating to shooters and contesting shots. and and that's it's really that simple. You know like it, there was there was a job that had to be done in this system, and guys weren't doing their jobs to start the season. And, and now over the course of, uh, you know, this slowly incrementally guys are starting to do those jobs and the defense is starting to look better. And guess what? It's only going to get easier and easier to do when you, when you get LeBron in there, you know, like that, that, mm-hmm. that, if like, we've talked a lot about you, you talk a lot about the Russ AD lineups, right? You talk about how mm-hmm. like, Hey, like when, when LeBron is off the floor, we have to really lean into uh, Russ AD ball. Well, if Mello can be a, a, a passable defensive power forward in that lineup, holy cow, man, like I'd go Russ mellow AD um, <laughs> and it'd do, it'd do a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff because cause with that spacing that they had, especially when they went with Monk and Mello on the wing, they were just getting fantastic shots every time down the floor. Um, we just could never go to those lineups enough this season because they would just get destroyed on the defensive end. And now, finally, uh, by by virtue of them losing some games and put it be finding themselves in a position where they have to do the job in order to win, guys are starting to do it, and, and so and yeah. so that's exciting because, dude, it's only up from here because talent is reinforcements are on the way.
1: <laughs> right, And I want to give Russ like a shout out. I, we're I guess we're going to talk about him pretty soon here, uh, his offensive moments, but just even defensively. Like chasing around Duncan Robinson uh, in the late game plays and, you know, trying to chase around Tyler Hero, watching him get in a full like defensive stance and, you know, playing full up on Tyler Hero. Like it was awesome seeing him as well compete on that end. And that's what we're going to have to have, man. We're going to have to have the whole team kind of competing defensively like this. Miami's a really good team. And you could tell the Lakers respected them in a way like they, they came out with the effort, you know, from the tip off. Like you could tell this was serious. Miami's a team that, you know, talks back and forth and, you know, it kind of got Carmelo going, the kind of shit talking back and forth. But I think this team like they just needed that tonight. But yeah, I wanted to give uh Russ a quick shout out there as well defensively. I thought he was yeah, I don't know what happened on that last play where Tyler Hero got open, but you know, just for the whole kind of fourth and overtime, I thought he really uh I thought he really competed on that end and that's what we're going to need. I guess we can kind of move move on to. Uh... He's just doing
0: like Russ is just doing his job now. Like that's that's the key. Yeah. Like it, there was a there was a certain level of um, you know him carrying over some bad habits from his previous destinations into this role, right? Which is was to be expected. Like no one, no one, no one changes overnight. You know, especially since we talk about like. You, like, have you ever watched Austin Reeves play defense, man? Like, this guy gets hit in the face on every, sing- like, every quarter at right. least once. Or a shot to the nose or an elbow to the ribs or something. Like, doing the job of ch- we talk about this a lot on the pod, ch- chasing people over the top of the screen, uh, flying around in rotations. It's a dirty job. It sucks. And throughout Russ's career, especially after KD left, he's had so much on his plate offensively, that he's been able to really, really relax on that side of the floor and take so much of his focus and energy away from that. And, you know, I think I think we saw a lot of that carry over into the season. And ideally, with LeBron here, he'd have lesser offensive responsibilities so that he can devote more energy to that end. But, like, that short-term urgency that Frank was talking about plays a big role here. You know, the, the Lakers had an option. They had two options. The Lakers said they were sitting at five and five coming off a really, really bad loss to Oklahoma city. And they had two options. It was play better basketball or just keep losing. And a lot of guys had to look in the mirror, guys like Melo guys like Russ, even AD has stepped up his intensity so much over the course of, uh, of this past week. Like guys had to look in the mirror and say like, are we going to start, to fix these problems or are we just going to continue with the status quo, get our butt kicked by Miami, get our butt kicked by San Antonio, get our butt kicked by Minnesota and just tell everybody, Oh, well, LeBron's gone. Like LeBron will be back and then everything will be fine. No, no, no. They, they, they addressed, they're starting to address those problems. And that's the most important part because we already know what LeBron can do and we know how he slots into all of this, right? So get, getting all of these guys on board with what their jobs were, was such an important little checkbox in this process. You know, we, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the little checkpoints that you look for over the course of the NBA season. And we talked about how that Oklahoma city loss, both of them were bad. They Mm -hmm. were bad checkpoints, right? Like those were examples of like kind of red flags, right? But what happened tonight, this win tonight, in my opinion is a huge example of a good checkpoint, a championship chip checkpoint, winning a game. You're not supposed to win against a team that was heavily favored. I told you on the last pod, they'd be favored by four or five points. It was either four and a half or five, depending on which book you went to. They like yeah. literally, they were supposed to lose this game. Your best players out. It was either lose and no one's going to blame you because you're supposed to, or go out and win the damn thing. And what championship teams do is they go out and they win the damn thing. And and that's what the Lakers did. And so this was kind of a, doesn't this just kind of like take the taste of one of the, at least one of those Oklahoma city losses out of your mouth. Maybe not both, maybe not both. Maybe they need to win the next two, but at least one of those OKC
1: games has to be kind of wiped away from our memory at this point. For sure. Yeah. I said like before the Portland game uh, that if they got that one, I would kind of, you know, forget about one of the OKC games, but it's crazy that the same team tonight went and got their ass kicked, you know, in Portland uh, by a team that just can't, get its feet together either like that's what i mean by they should have at least be competitive uh you know what i mean like with even without mm-hmm. lebron even though ad even though ad kind of went out uh in in the first quarter over there like there's enough talent on this team to where you can be competitive and you can see they're starting to get comfortable right lebron's been out a few games like players are starting to slot into where they are now uh they have to move up one in the rotation or whatever uh Russ still like being the main ball handler now there's still going to be turnovers and stuff but you saw him kind of get his foot together there's some plays man and i guess we can kind of transition into russ's offensive game because like those aren't great mid-range pull-ups like mark jackson was begging him to take those mark those uh, pull-ups all night uh they're gonna be open all night i'll be hit them and they're in rhythm we talk about the mid-range jumpers for russ there's ones where it's like you know come up it's contested and there's others where he's like in a full-on dribble Pull up rhythm where it just looks a lot smoother. I thought those last two, the one was a fadeaway kind of. I think he thought he got fouled, but the one right over, right over in the mid range where he hit, like that was that's a that's a good shot for him. Like in the late against the switch, like I thought that was a good shot for him. But yeah, like Russ got his moment in Staples Center. Like this is a big time play, big time moment. This is what he came here for. Uh, You come here to play these games for. If LeBron's out, when LeBron's out, like this is a big game for him. And I thought he really came through, especially offensively. They needed it. Like, we, we complain about the turnovers and stuff like that. But you saw when he went to the bench, uh, the team just had zero offensive rhythm. Miami is too good to, to just run this, like, throw the ball to AD. Like, their health defense is way too good. And, 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 ba- Rush and had a Bam of,
0: had AD completely under control, by the way.
1: Yeah. And, and Bam, like, shoves AD off his spot a lot. You saw AD, like, catch the ball three-point line a lot. Miami's just really good at that. They know exactly where to – the place players. Um, and I thought Westbrook really came through. They needed every single point. I think he banked in a couple of those jumpers, uh, but they didn't need him. And would you agree with that? He kind of had his moment tonight. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I'm happy for Russ because that having a moment like that in Staples is what kind of just takes some of the pressure off. You know, uh, Vinay said something that I thought was really, really interesting um, on Twitter after the last game. And he, he said that Russ, looks like he doesn't want the ball in, in those moments. Um, not because he's afraid of the moment or anything, but Russ is a Russ is very aware of his limitations right now. I, I truly believe that like mm-hmm. Russ knows he can't shoot. And, and Russ knows that guys are packing the paint on him and that when he drives, it's kind of a, a, a risk reward proposition that's not in his favor. Um, but ironically, the LeBron injury and Bam Adebayo just completely shutting AD down, which we'll get to in a second, um, that kind of put Russ in a situation where he had to shoot, which, you know, in a weird way, when you have to shoot, some of the pressure's off because it's not it, like if you like when Russ took that pull up 15 footer, the one that gave him the two point lead late uh, yeah. before the one legged fadeaway. fade away. That shot is a weirdly low-pressure shot because it's like they had just dumped it into AD on the wing a couple of times, and each time he turned in face and bam, just just swallowed him up. There was just nothing that he, AD had to go to a fadeaway, and he, as we know, right now is just not really capable of making that fadeaway. So in a weird way, Russ is like dribbling the ball the floor. It's like, it's got to be me. And so that takes the pressure off. If he misses that 15 footer, no one's really going to yell at him. Cause you're like, I-, I guess that's just the best we can do right now. Right. You know? So in a weird way, it went in and that, you know, gave him some confidence. And then he made an even tougher one after that. And then he took a way too tough one after that. And it hurt him. <laughs> but the point is, is like in the long run, Russ doesn't want those possessions. Cause he knows he's limited. And that's why he's going to defer to LeBron so much in those moments. And, and it's not really something we have to worry about. It just, it just, We, what we saw tonight was something that we finally got to see that everyone had been talking about, which is, can Russ bring a game home when LeBron's gone? And and he did. And so I, I thought it was awesome for him that he had that moment. And for the record, this is why I said it erased the OKC loss. Like that was a huge win. Like seven, five looks way better than six and six, especially when you factor in all the reinforcements coming. And so I'm happy for him as far as the AD thing goes. And it's actually super interesting. Like, you know, this is where spacing becomes a factor because, um, what's Anthony Davis's advantage against Bam Adebayo bio on the perimeter. You're going to go with ball handling and speed probably. Right. Um, like mm-hmm. AD can't physically overpower Bam really anywhere on the floor. That's why when he would start fighting for position 10 feet from the rim, he'd catch 18 feet from the rim. Um, but if it, over the course of the season, when they really start to nail down their spacing, And how uh, and how to really position everybody that's going to turn into a rip through because ball pressure actually is an advantage to the ball handler as long as they can make reads as long as they are capable of handling the basketball which AB is ball pressure is good for you because the defender is putting himself out of position to try to make you uncomfortable. And so I, what I'd like to see in the long run is when, when AD finds himself in those matchups where a really athletic big, someone like Bam pressures him and pushes him away from the basket, he needs space to operate so that he can catch and just rip through and either get a foul or beat him to the dribble and get all the way to the rim. And that's where the prospect of Monk and Mello are so exciting because the, the Lakers finally are going to be able to piece together some lineups now that have real spacing the kind of spacing that will make AD feel comfortable, the kind of spacing that will allow him to be a slasher like that in some cases. And that's all super exciting. So I, I I look forward to AD uh, over the course of the season as if he stays healthy, which I'm hopefully they will just getting more and more comfortable and growing into like the peak version of himself as a guy who can handle that type of thing which will require him to have space to operate, which this team will finally be able to afford him.
1: Yeah, and and they kept trying to like post him up. And I said earlier, Miami's just too good at that. And they were doubling him right away, especially with, with our starters. They really, even though Avery Bradley hit like three threes in the first quarter, they still really just pinched inside the paint. Uh, they did not respect, you know, Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, like I said, Russell Westbrook obviously as shooters. AD still not great passing out of doubles. And against a team like Miami, that's so good on our rotations. It was just going to be ugly. And again, they had like PJ Tucker guarding Russ. So it was a lot of switching. Uh, they just switched that pick and roll all night. And AD really got nothing open there. Um, but like we talked about Wayne Ellington earlier, just having one, you know, one knockdown shooter on the floor just changes the balance of that, and then when you put in Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, I thought the floor kind of really opened up. But I, I can't wait to see him with like actual spacing, actual you know, AD at the five lineups with defense around. Uh, but I just thought you know it was great to see him next to some shooting. AD always feels like he's having a rough game. And then you look at the box score um, tonight. He played forty-five minutes, really toughed it out. Uh, Twenty-four points, uh, thirteen rebounds, and they needed every point of that, every rebound, bunch of big ones late. Uh, But you're right. Bam kind of was able to stay hold on him. And I think Miami is more, that was more Miami team defense, but Bam was able to kind of push him out of his spot. He got a few really big jumpers going, a lot of pick and pop jumpers still wish he kind of attacked the paint a little bit more. But again, I thought he was tired, Uh, but I thought he was great defensively. And I thought that's what mattered really tonight, but hopefully he can kind of get his offense going. I saw when I saw Malik Monk going and I was hoping AD can kind of close it out offensively. He got a lob late uh, right there too, but yeah just seeing when like do you agree with that like did you see the floor when they had Wayne Ellington out there it just felt like it changed the whole kind of it changed how Miami can defend and they ran actual actions for him as well Uh, I guess we can kind of morph this into Wayne Ellington as well they were running like you know double pin downs for him and he had a bunch of big threes but I just thought the floor spacing when you have one legit guy they can't leave uh, it just changed the whole game and I I hope to see Wayne kind of play more his jumper looks legit you know he's a actual professional shooter as they call it. Um, I think Monk's more of a score, uh, but Wayne Allen's a legit professional s- shooter, and it's cool to have one on the team, especially playing next to, you know, so many non-jump shooters right now in AD and then Russ as well, obviously, trying to get to the rim. Just one guy you can't leave, you know, and it, it felt like it changed the floor oh, floor balance.
0: It 100% did. I mean, uh, the, on that play, a, there was one in particular that I have in mind with Ellington on the floor with AD that was so fascinating. It was Ellington... Mm-hmm. Gosh, was it Ellington Mellow and Monk? I think it was El- I, believe I think so. it was Ellington mm-hmm. Mellow and Monk. Like, which is just three, three shooters that are real shooters. Like, you cannot right. leave them open shooters. And yeah. so AD caught at the elbow, and he uh kind of like was had his back turned to the basket and he was kind of looking over either shoulder, trying to survey the floor. And obviously he struggles with that. So he kind of ended up spinning like right into Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, like at the same time and didn't really have any angle and damn near lost his handle. But then ran, but the point is, is like all the, all the guys that they're doubling off of are just dead eye shooters. And so, and shooters, the best thing about a shooter is it's not just about their ability to make the shot. Shooters are so good at identifying where their opportunity to shoot is. They can kind of see plays develop And they know their spot to hit. They know when to flare to the corner. They know when to flare to the wing. They know when to cut all the way through on the baseline. They know it's because that's what they've been doing their whole life, especially guys like Wayne Ellington. You know, Melo is going to continue to get better and better at that uh, in this phase of his career. But Wayne Ellington saw AD in chaos and saw that he was out of control. And AD has a tendency when he's out of control to throw it back to the perimeter, especially behind him because he does it, he's not a great interior passer. And so Ellington just relocated right behind AD at the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And AD, even in all that chaos, just kind of shoveled it back to him. And, hey, guess what? You just left Wayne Ellington wide open. That's probably going to go in like 70% of the time. Like when his feet are really set and he's really open like that, it's going in. And it did. And so that that kind of thing, too, is like – What's so cool about that, and this is why I look forward to that lineup moving forward, is Anthony Davis is an absolute like beast offensively in single coverage. So, if, uh, you know, obviously we talked about the Bam thing earlier, but Bam's probably the best defender in the league to throw at AD, right? So, like, mo- the vast majority, the yeah. vast majority of the guys that AD is going to see are going to have no capability of sticking with him physically. So, guess what happens if you hit Ellington a couple times? and you hit Monk a couple times, and you hit Melo a couple times, and you show a propensity to be able to make teams pay for doubling you, you're going to start seeing a lot of single coverage. That's what happens with LeBron. Like, the dirty little secret to most of LeBron's efficiency is he passes himself open. That's how he gets such great looks. And so that's what's exciting for me, is, like, if you get lots of reps with Russ and AD lineups, with LeBron off the floor, with lots of shooting in the other three spots, AD should, over the course of the season start to take advantage of that shooting and open things up for himself, which will allow him to start to go to work in single coverage, which will cascade into more confidence. This is why I hate the two big lineups is like, it, it just, I, I, I like my superstars to be comfortable and confident. And the only way for them to do that is when they have space to operate. And then it just feeds everything else in the game. Guys defend better guys. Uh, are, are better leaders. Their, their attitude is better when everyone's playing better. If they just feel better and it just, it just helps the whole team. And so that's why I'm such a huge believer in that. And, and we, we have real shooting this year, like real, real, real shooting, like problem shooting for the other team. And that's just super exciting to think about all the ways that can help.
1: Right. And that's why I was so high on Ellington this summer. And obviously he's not, buddy healed at all but it's kind of that archetype he's a movement shooter right you talked about monk and carmelo Carmelo's more of like a standstill spot-up shooter like he can create his own shot once he has the ball but you know at the three-point line he's a spot-up guy malik monk as well likes more like a spot-up guy instead of a guy who's catching off a shot wayne ellington can curl and i like that vogel was actually running like curl plays for him you know what i mean and i thought that was really huge and just it just brings a different type of spacing you talked about those two big lineups Russ is still playing in a phone booth, I thought, and that's kind of why we have these starts, these offensive starts. DeAndre Jordan's motor just, to me, isn't good enough to continue to continue what we're doing. A lot of times we're just staring at the ball, let alone the spacing issues. But, yeah, just putting more shooting around, man. And that's why I kept saying just let's lean into this Russ ball, especially with LeBron out. And I think you can do that. Carmelo defends the way he does. Wayne Ellington, I, would you agree? Wayne Ellington was, like, okay defensively. He got back cut a lot. Uh Miami's again a tough team to kind of uh to judge that on. Uh, but I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine defensively in his minutes. He didn't make mistakes. He was in the right well, he made mistakes on back cuts and stuff like that. But like for the most part, I thought he was fine. But just that shooting, just have a guy who actually comes off. When AD's that second screener, uh he comes off, they trap Wayne, he gave it back to A D and he hit a mid-range jumper or he got an open look on a mid-range jumper. Like that's the stuff that we can start to put in, and I like to see that Vogel's using it, you know. Uh, He didn't run that stuff for anyone else. Wayne Ellington came back, and they started running it for him, and I like that they have specific stats for him. They have to use him if he's out there. I was so high on him this summer. I was disappointed in the preseason, how he looked, how he didn't have his shot there. And he's too good a shooter not to at least become somewhat of, like, maybe not 40%, but somewhere in that range. And if his defense can just be passable, which it wasn't in the preseason – but, you know, right now I think it looks passable enough and it's shooting. Uh, if it's legit, man, this is this is like the first legit shooter we've had. Carmelo obviously has been in Inferno. Um, just to have a movement shooter next to AD and LeBron uh, would be great. So that's why I've been really high on Wayne Ellington all summer. And then tonight was actually a Wayne Ellington coming out party as well. Uh, I forgot how many threes he had, but I, I just thought he, he made a huge impact.
0: I actually like Wayne Ellington's defensive fit with this group, and I was pretty optimistic with it about it from the beginning. And the main reason why is I thought mm-hmm. people I thought people were overreacting to guys lighting up uh Wayne Ellington in isolation. And and the reason why is like mm-hmm. like they would watch I can't even remember who it was that they were playing, but they would watch I think it was that young guard that plays for Brooklyn that's such an aggressive jump shooter. I'm blanking on his Cam uh, yeah 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 yeah. Uh, yeah something like that. Anyway, like mm-hmm. it's like Like, okay, yeah, he took a tough step back jump shot and he looked pretty comfortable and he knocked it down on Ellington. But it's like the truth of the matter is, is what you what is far more valuable from a perimeter defensive player in Frank's scheme is that they're in the right spot. Okay, like if you when you have guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis on the floor, you can look at Ellington and you could be like, look, man, if you give up a pull up jump shot, we'll live with that. It, or, or if it's an elite shooter, like, so, like, a, like a, just a straight-up dead-eye shooter, you, we'll, li- we'll live with drives. Just chase him off the line. And they can tell him, like, hey, when you're on this spot of the floor, you funnel to the left. When you're on this spot of the floor, you funnel to the right because this is where the help is. Like, you know, and, and in a weird way, Ellington has so much experience as a shooter that he knows what shooters do. So he's actually shown uh, quite, a, uh, quite a bit of promise as a lock-and-trail defender over the course of the last couple of games. Um in my opinion and a, a big part of that is just he, he he does that himself. So he understands the little tips and tricks that those guys use to get open and he can kind of counter those in his own way. But again, like yeah, like if in a playoff series in the highest leverage moments, I'm not sure you can play him because guys will attack him in isolation and it might cause things to break down. But over the course of the minutes that he's actually going to play with this group, which will primarily be against reserves, which will primarily be, you know, little short stints in a 15-minute type of game that he plays, like, he's going to be able to do his job in Frank's system. Oh, like, it, what, what happens with guys like Malik Monk, although he's been better, is way more damaging. Or, like, you just straight up get lost, <laughs> you know, or, like, you're straight mm-hmm. up not paying attention you're 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 straight up losing focus like that you you're not going to have to worry about that with wayne ellington wayne ellington's problems are going to be physical it, like foot speed type of problems and he's probably only going to see those uh it manifest as guys attacking him off the dribble and taking pull-up jump shots and things like that which again it, you can live with you know what i mean and so I, I, I like Wayne Ellington's fit as a defensive player, and I think it's going to look even better um, when when he's playing alongside LeBron and AD. When you get some of those really, really, really fierce Laker defensive lineups. Um, but yeah, no. I, as far as his movement shooting, you you hit the nail on the head, man. Like it's just it's it's so funny. Like on every level, like I'm coaching high school basketball right now. We put in just we have all these. You have to run super super basic sets. With these high school kids. Cause they're just, I mean, they're the basketball version of brainless. It's, 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 it's a, it's a long process trying to teach these kids to play basketball. And like, it's funny because we just <laughs> our, our, our actions, you know, the guy, the guy that I coach with, you know, he uh, played professionally overseas overseas for a decade, super, super smart guys point guard. And like, he just gets it. He gets all these little details and it's like, he'll just, he will never just have a pick and roll action. It's a pick and roll action with a guy coming off a double screen on the other side. He does that because he knows these high school kids are going to, on the other side of the floor, are going to be obsessed with guarding their man. And the truth is, is that it works at every level. And having Wayne Ellington doing anything off the ball is going to occupy defenders, even if he's not making shots. And, and it just, in that it just, it's it's all about that cascading effect that we talk about. It's just what he does to open things up for this team um, uh, makes up for whatever defensive limitations that he might have in isolation against a specific bad matchup. You know what I mean? And, and again, if you're playing the Brooklyn nets and cam Thomas is isolating you for pull up jump shots, every time down the floor, you're probably going to win because that's not that that's not offense. That's conducive to flow and rhythm. It's, it's, it's actually stagnant. And and so I, 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 I'm a fan of Wayne. You and I were both heavy high on him right from the beginning and uh, and I'm hopeful that he will get an opportunity to prove us right over the course of the next few months.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. I, I just think we haven't had this level of shooter and just looking at his name kind of next to our other guys that we you know, are close to get close to getting back here. Well, maybe not close, but we'll see Kendrick Nunn, THT, you know, adding Wayne Ellington to that as like a specialist. I think it's just really nice having, you know, coming off your bench. We'll see when Ariza gets back. But if you're starting, you know, if you're going full on into this 80 at the five, which is what we were kind of sold, you know, on media day before all the injuries came. And we'll never know if that that was the legit plan, but that's what we were kind of told. Uh, And, you know, you have all these kind of guards uh, coming off, probably not enough enough wings. uh, But I'm really excited, man. We're going to get a bunch of these, like you said, reinforcements uh, are coming. And uh, we'll we'll see when that happens. But I wanted to, like, I guess close on, because Russell Westbrook, the Russell Westbrook experience uh, is... I think a lot of people have, you know, said it's a roller coaster. Like he had a couple of finishes tonight where I'm like, man, like you can do that every time. You know, I mean, he had one, I think it was in the fourth. I don't know if you remember it, like in transition. I think he had it was Lowry back and he just perfectly slowed down. You know, he was going full speed, slowed down, went up with the left hand and finished nicely. And I think it put us put us down one. Um, when we were making our run back, there's just stuff like that, and there's others where it's just crazy. But the Russell Westbrook experience has been, you know, like you said, like I said, an up and down experience. But tonight was great, and I kind of want to just stick on that point. Like I thought tonight, he came through, and he he deserves his kind of flowers for that. Like I think this is a big time win. Like Miami's a damn good team. Like even without Jimmy Butler in the second half, they came in tonight seven and three. Um, probably have the best defense of the league. I'm not sure if the numbers support that. Just watching their games. And to get a win, is just huge, uh, huge tonight.
0: You can tell he's starting to get more comfortable. And, yeah. and that's key. Like, comfort is such a huge, 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 huge part of the game of basketball. It's like, it's, it's a, the perfect example of this is the the Houston Rockets uh, doubleheader that we played. Like, you know, everyone wonders how, you know, one night you play him and it's 95-85. And then the next time you play him, it's like in the 120s. And a big part of that, I thought, was especially early in that game, you know, the, the 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 Lakers just let Houston feel comfortable. Yeah, you, know, you you could tell yourself, oh, they're making contested jump shots. But there's a huge right. difference. There's a huge difference between a contested jump shot and a jump shot where a jump shooter is uncomfortable. Huge difference. If I if if you if Tyler Harrow catches the ball and I stick my hand up, it's a contested shot. But is Tyler Harrow comfortable? Or was I in his it was I literally in his airspace the entire time he was moving around? And as he's going up into his shot, he's nervous that I'm kind of going to knock the ball loose. And and that, like, do you see the difference of what I'm talking about? That kind of like level of comfort. Hey, and, sure. and this is, this is what's so important about having Russ play with AD at the five or with uh, or with one big instead of two bigs. Having Russ feel comfortable with the basketball, helping him to when he when he's making that read, trying to decide when to hit the hole. Like, because there were a lot of those like hit the whole moments with Russ where it kind of reminds you of an NFL running back tonight where it's like, he's kind of moving slow and then he sees his area of opportunity and just slams the gap. There was one that he had, it was either at the end of the fourth quarter or overtime where he had a reverse layup with his right hand where there was just a tiny opening and -hmm. he just hit, he just hit the opening and like, you can tell he's starting to feel more comfortable. And again, to circle it back around, this is my big problem with starting big, whatever advantages you think you get out of it. Compensating for the last of forwards, uh, lack of forwards, I get it. You know, trying to eat innings during the regular season, I get it. You know, defensive rebounding or whatever it is that Frank has tricked himself into thinking are the pluses that come with going big, they come with these big downsides. And one of those big downsides is comfort. Russ has looked visibly uncomfortable in the offense for the most part this season. And you have to ask yourself how much of that is associated with lineups and how much of it is associated with his own limitations. And in my opinion, uh, a good percentage of that comes with the circumstances he's been put in. And so what I really have liked is over the last couple of games in particular, um, you could tell uh, tonight was actually a better example (laughs) because the last game was a little bit of a nightmare. But the point is, is he's starting to get, he's starting to understand and feel comfortable with where, where he fits in. In this offense, when he's supposed to hit holes, when he's supposed to be more passive, when his jump shots make sense, when they don't. And and this is why I'm a big believer in going small. I would much rather have every game have my stars feel comfortable, which is going to lean into confidence, which is going to lead into everything else that comes from your stars playing well. And if it means that you lose the starter minutes. Like if you told me that the starting lineup was going to get beat by four or five points every single time instead of winning by two or three, I'd take it if it meant that Russ got two layups or Russ got two easy driving kicks or Anthony Davis was posting up against a small forward on the wing that he got on a switch and he was able to bully him all the way to the basket for an easy shot because there was space to operate. If they, Even if you lose those minutes, which I don't think they would, I think they would win those minutes. I think the Lakers are better when they play that way. But even if even if I had to grab Frank by the shoulders and shake him and say, "Listen, man, this is what's going to happen when you go this way," like th- that that that's that's that to me is the huge part of this that gets glossed over in that lineup decision is the comfort of your ball handlers, and and so I'm I'm off my soapbox now. But that, that's just kind of <laughs> that's just kind of my two cents on the uh, on on Russ finally starting to feel comfortable.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Frank obviously likes the too big look. He likes the archetype of it. He likes the comfort of having another, you know, shot blocker back there. And I think we're going to continue to see it until probably LeBron gets back or maybe one of the other wings gets back. Uh, I just think that's what he's going to stick to. I thought DJ had like a good first shift. And then, you know, this, it, this has been happening every game in that third quarter. He just decides to stop, you know, having his stop uh, revving his motor up. Uh, it, just, it just completely dies in the third quarter, and maybe that's just who he is now. Uh, but you're right. You know, they should, I keep saying, just lean into the rust ball. I think without LeBron, you have to kind of, you know, top your advantages on each other. And I think right now it's our offense. Malik Monk, get him as much shots as you can. Austin Reeves, uh, I'll be okay with starting him. I thought we missed his defense tonight, honestly, as a guy who chases over screens. Avery Bradley, I thought, did a great job on Tyler Hero, kind of chasing him, even, even if Tyler Hero hit a bunch of contested shot did you see they made nine straight shots to end the third quarter to end the second quarter Miami did I think going into halftime and a lot of them were like Tyra Hero just you know prayer shots going up over Avery Bradley starting to talk shit and stuff but again like I think the, tonight was a great win Russell Westbrook tonight we always qualm about his numbers but I mean 12 points 12 rebounds 14 assists like the numbers are what they are like that's incredible production to get uh, especially when LeBron's out and they, did they he only they have 12 kinda, points No, I said 25 points. Okay, I was about to say. say. (laughs) 25 (laughs) points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists, seven threes is still a lot. Three for seven from three. And again, that's just him having the ball a shit ton. So when they fly, when they go into those screens so disrespectfully, like kind of understand it sometimes. He's like, I'm so wide open. He had a couple corner threes, I think early. Uh, But, you know, I can't really complain too much. Like the turnovers are going to be what they are all season there's some you can live with some of them are just like where he threw like a speedball pass at ad i think hit him in the head just oh. some of those decisions are a little questionable but again like i, I kind of live with some of those if like the aggression is still there and i thought in transition he really pushed the pace uh he got the team running found malik monk cutting want to play that's just like stuff that he brings uh to a team and i thought his competitiveness tonight in that fourth quarter taking over hitting big shots like he was he took over and that's That's what they brought him here for. And he did his job tonight. He deserves credit for that.
0: The turnovers are still so confounding to me. And it's tricky because, you know, like sometimes I, I don't actually think this, but sometimes I wonder just for a second, like if he's ever, if he's actually making reads or if he's just kind of a spaz and like, it's a spaz that just happens to occasionally make a play from time to time, because that's how like confusing. Sometimes he'll throw passes and you'll be like, I honest to God, don't know what you saw there. (laughs) Like, like I'll, I'll rewind it and I'll watch the play again. I'll be like, what was he thinking? Like when he pulled the trigger on that pass, what was like the, what was like the little calculation that his basketball brain was running? Like, it's, it's hard for me to, to understand sometimes, um, that said, what's so funny is he responded to, in my opinion, his worst game of the season. Uh, the, um, uh, or I shouldn't say his worst game, his worst quarter of the season in that fourth quarter against Charlotte where he almost single-handedly let them back into the game. You know, you would think he would respond to that by saying, like, I'm going to be more careful. Um, but he didn't. But what he did do is he added so much more good. You know, we talked about the good-bad scale with Russ. He just compensated for because I think he ended with like seven turnovers tonight still. Like, mm-hmm. but he compensated for that by just making a lot more good plays to cover for it. And the exciting, the exciting way to look at it, you know, in terms of projecting forward is you can kind of look at this and say like, Hey man, all you got to do is eventually figure out a way to cut back on some of this bad while keeping some of this good. And now we're taking a LeBron and AD team and adding this really, really, really positive player. You know, that, that potential is still there, but it's up to him to try to figure figure that part out because no one, Russ probably thought about valuing the basketball a hundred times coming into this game, but for whatever reason, he just can't do it. And, you know, maybe that some of that's Miami defense. Maybe some of that is just him being super, super high usage as a result of the injuries, but you will eventually need to figure that out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't think you're going to ever get like super low turnover Russ. Like the, the key there is Le- when LeBron's back, right? Like, that kind of fixes a lot of that. You talked about limiting the bad. Like, limiting the bad is really just getting him out there with LeBron, where LeBron's kind of controlling more of the actions where the game matters, when it stops, when it's in half-court situations. Like, that's really where you see a lot of the turnovers. I think a lot of it with Russ, like, even, like, when you go back and just rewatch the games, like, he does a lot of this where he drives with, like, no real intention of scoring. So he'll, like, drive, get in the – He'll get in the air to pass, and he'll like turn the ball over there, or he think a player will cut, or he'll have a like a player. He'll try to get them a lob. Like it's a lot of this, like trying to find teammates in their spots when they're really not there. Like, and mm. those turnovers are just not going to go away, in my opinion. He had eight turnovers actually tonight, so he actually shorted him <laughs> one. <laughs> but again, like the dreaded snowman. But, but again, he played. Uh, he uh, he played forty three minutes tonight, and with no backup guard, with the only other real. Shot-creating guard on the team is Malik Monk, who uh who had three turnovers as well. But, you know, when that's the case, you're going to get a whole bunch of turnovers. But he's a plus 10 tonight, and I thought, like, those turnovers are, are what they are. They're not going away this season. That decision-making is not going away. He has to be himself. We talked about this over the summer. Like, Russ has to be Russ, and there's a good and a bad side to it. There's, like, a yin and a yang, a give and a pull. But, you know, tonight you saw the good, and that kind of aggressiveness mixed with the stars, mixed with AD and LeBron are on there on their game, like it, it's a, it can be a winning formula, especially if their defense holds up.
0: Yep. I a hundred percent agree. Um, uh, we've just over an hour now. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on tonight before we call it? Uh,
1: no, I think that's it, man. I just, I just want to hammer the point. Like this is a, this is a big time win. Like this is, as not expected at all. I, I honestly thought they would lose tonight. Jason, you thought they would lose tonight, like beating this Miami team. That's been playing so well. Uh, they had a loss before this, but I think they've just been very impressive this season. So I think this is a, it's a big win to build off of, man. Like they play Minnesota actually next on Friday, so that's another one you can kind of get. Right? Uh, Minnesota's also been playing well this season. Uh, that's a winnable game, so you can kind of build yeah. off it.
0: I I would say that this is the game that if this team ends up winning the title or even just goes on any sort of significant run here, uh, this mm-hmm. is the game. This is the game that people are going to look back at as the one uh, as the turning point. Um. I feel like they kind of sort of discovered a little bit of an identity tonight. We talked about this earlier in the show, just like a team that if they can, if they can, if they can bottle up this effort and and replicate it, they've kind of become a team that can, that can, that can really, really shoot the ball. So if you combine that with really consistent effort and with everything that LeBron and AD bring on the defensive end of the ball, this could all kind of shape together into something that's really exciting. And mm-hmm. and, the, and this could be the turning point. But we are going to call it a night. We I uh, after the Minnesota game, there's a bunch of ex- extra league-wide stuff that uh, Raj and I wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about Alex Caruso a little bit in the anecdote. Don't want to um, mess up this win.
1: Yeah, don't want to discuss. <laughs> yes, we won't, we won't mess up this win.
0: We'll get there. Uh, there was uh, gosh, there was another big. Uh, I wanted to talk about this concept of of people. Because, okay, we went too far here with this officiating thing to now it's like now we're pretending like the current players aren't anywhere near as skilled as 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 they look just because scoring numbers are down. I want to talk about that a little bit. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of different things like that we're going to touch on and we'll kind of try to slam that into the postgame show um, after the Timberwolves game on uh, what's that Friday? Mm -hmm. Um, so sounds like a plan thank you guys so much for the support we are continue to be completely blown away um, by how many of you guys come to hang out with us and i'm sorry we didn't get to any callers tonight just had too much exciting stuff to talk about after a big win Um, but we will get to some callers on friday this will be on dash radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m and it will be on our podcast feed here in about 30 minutes thank you again as always and we will see you guys on friday
1: thanks everyone